Getting too fat, in particular midsection or visceral adiposity, will actually cause inflammation. Mm -hmm. Now, low-grade inflammation is absolutely interlinked you know, with stress, anxiety and depression. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face -face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar, at filex.com.au. Nutritionist and exercise scientist Kristen Beck has over 20 years experience in the nutrition, supplement and fitness industries. Here she chats with the fitness industry podcast's Katrina Cochran about nutrition and brain health, adrenal fatigue and severe anxiety, the calming effect of a healthy gut microbiome and how eating more veggies is the first step to a happier brain. Welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kristen Beck. Hello, Kristen. How are you today? Hi, Katrina. Great to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, Kristen, I'm really excited about working with you today and finding out some more information about your knowledge on nutrition, exercise, and more importantly, mental health as well. So just before we get started, can you just share with our listeners a little bit of your background and what got you started in the industry? Sure. Look, so I promise I am qualified in nutrition. I have a master's degree in nutrition, but I originally studied to be a naturopath. So I've actually been in the nutrition, health and fitness industry for over 20 years now. How I got into the industry was actually a little bit of an interesting aside, but yeah, I was planning on being a lawyer, but... Oh. You shouldn't tell someone that they don't need to study at school. <laughs> but I also wanted to be a naturopath. So I originally studied to be a naturopath, loved that, but really wanted, I was much more fascinated by the science and the evidence-based stuff too. So then I got really into the, into much more research and much more academic sort of stuff and looking much, pretty much everything now that I put up on screen or educate people about, it's always evidence-based. And it's, you know, I'm always open to other ideas but how can we research it? How can we actually prove it? And how can we prove, prove causation? Yeah, that's and that's what a background. <laughs> so you jumped a little bit, but that's yeah. it's excellent. So one thing that I've, I would love to share with the listeners today is because you've got so much knowledge. And yes. what I'd like to start with, though, is your sort of understanding and education around mental health and the benefits of nutrition with the, you know, benefits that people can have to help with prevention, cure symptoms. So there's lots, lots of things we can talk about, but we'll start with a few things today. Yeah. So what do you think is, you know, the background and why do you feel that this is becoming a little bit more prominent these days with mental health and nutrition and exercise in particular? Look, the conversation around mental health has just exploded over the last few years and, and that's great. I was actually just looking at the, you know, speaker videos and I've seen that all the mental health, you know, I've presented in two presentations mm -hmm. this week and the mental health one was busier again, which I was very, very happy about. I was, you know, I was, people are fascinated by it. And even I've seen some of the other fitness sides of things, the, you know, their crowded sessions, the, you know, the fitness professionals can see the value in it. Mm. I guess where I've come from professionally is that I actually have always been a nutritionist or, you know, for 20 years, I've been a nutritionist, but I had a little bit of a, well, you know, not little, but I had a, an awakening about 
2011, where yeah. basically I hadn't had, you know, I'd been lucky enough to not ever have any mental health issues before. And basically I got to a situation in 2011 where I had a very successful business, had three young children, you know, family, doing, you know, doing everything. It was the super, super woman myth. I was on television every mm. week, except, you know, and everyone was like, wow, wow, wow. Mm. And I just absolutely became adrenally exhausted and was almost hospitalised with severe anxiety. So, yeah, just... And it was honestly... That sort of really sparked, obviously, my interest in... You know, I'm a why person. Why did that happen? And I, you know, and, and it makes absolute sense because I hadn't slept through the night for ten years. But you know, it makes sense. But I remember just thinking to myself, you know, I knew I had next to no body weight on me. I was doing amazing amounts of running training. I'm still a runner, mm-hmm. but yeah, running ten kilometers a day, then doing more training on top of that, plus everything else. And I remember just thinking before it all happened, my body fat levels are way too low. I can see, you know, it's not it's not good anymore. This mm-hmm. is bad. This is bad. And I just kept thinking there's got to be something to do with basically exhausting yourself but yep. also body fat. And that was sort of the catalyst for then going into really researching the nutritional side of it, even though I already was a nutritionist. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the fact you've had that personal experience, yeah. it it is going to stand, you know, stronger in, in the industry because you've been there, you've done yes. it, you know it. But your support now and your empathy for someone who's experiencing something similar is always going to be a lot better as well. And, and that's one of the things I sort of said in the session is realistically, if you'd have asked me up until the age of 35, mm-hmm. I had no empathy for, you know, as you shouldn't say, I just didn't, I had not, I had not experienced it. I hadn't been through it. It's the same. I mean, I've got three kids. It's the same as people talking about being a mother and you go, you don't know till you've got those kids, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the empathy there because the understanding of it doesn't matter how great someone looks. It doesn't matter. I mean, I actually put up a picture in my presentation. There's a photo of myself and my family walking along a beach or running along a beach for Runner's World magazine in mm-hmm. 2011. Yep. And, it, you know, even all my friends, family, everyone go, that's the most beautiful family photo of it. You know what I mean? I went, yep. And I'm like, that's six weeks before I was, you know, I crashed, crashed you know, yeah. and I was not well. And, you know, and I can, I actually can see myself, it's terrifying to know even now I still sometimes deal with panic attacks and anxieties. Mm. I can look back and go, I look, I can, I see myself on television. I'm like, I was having a panic attack. Mm. But, you know, if I, if I look at it and I go, but that's, this is me. I know what I was doing. Yeah. But I'm smiling, I'm laughing, and I just think you cannot, you just absolutely cannot yep. decipher when people are actually, you know, how people are and you just can't make that judgment. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why it's fantastic that you're now doing what you do and you're you're helping educate the industry, especially around the benefits of nutrition for yes. mental health. Yes. And it allows us now to have an understanding that, you know, there's more behind the facade. And as fitness professionals, we often have a facade. We, we, we're on show, we entertain, we're yeah. the motivators. And we also have lives outside of that. Yes. So, and it's really interesting to hear that you've got that personal attachment to that as well. Mm. So through your research, mm. you've obviously gone and sought out the information yes. to find out the why. And yes. as you said, you're a why person. I am a why person. And that's fantastic. Yes. So just share a bit of that information with us. You know, it's big in the industry at the moment saying that your gut health is probably just as important as your brain health. Yes. So can you give us a little bit of an insight to some research you found around the benefits of digestion and gut gut health for mental health? Look, absolutely. And I I guess in some ways probably the most frustrating part of this whole, you know, when I said I'm the why and I went out and researched and, you know, I do get a little bit, you know, 
cray cray excited when I <laughs> when I start researching. I'm like, I want to know why, and I will go, I, you know, on any tangent to find that out. And when it really came to it, I ended up, you know, sort of developing a whole lot of research around it. But even, you know, in my presentations, I was just say to people, the thing is that even, you know, Felice Jacker, who is the, you know, professor, one of the professors down at Deakin University, who is pretty much one of the founders of psychiatric nutrition, in, mm. not just in Australia, but in, she's a world leader. And, you know, the thing is the actual nutritional recommendations for people who are struggling with mental health and is actually eating healthy food, mm. doing a little bit of exercise, you know. So it's that kind of thing of like at the end of the day we can do all the research yeah. but it still comes down to healthy eating practices. Mm. But, whether with you know, definitely with regards to gut health, gut health's fascinating and it's, you know, it's definitely a buzz sort of area or buzzword at the moment and I'm a big believer in it. With regards to, you know, the gut microbiota actually does create many of your neurotransmitters including serotonin mm-hmm. and dopamine. So, you know, both of those are, you know, feel good and also calming neurotransmitters that we need and I guess the thing is from you know take-home point of view for that for the fitness industry is just to remember though that you know you've got when it comes to gut health you've got probiotics and prebiotics and probiotics are the good bacteria okay so it's a little bit like throwing lawn seed on the you know onto the lawn and hoping they'll grow okay but there are trillions of different good bacteria and we only have a bit of an idea about a few of them so supplements are an insurance policy at best, okay? Whereas prebiotics, which is just another word, but prebiotics are basically the healthy food you eat mm. that will then have plenty of fibre in it that will go through your digestive system, get to your gut and actually ferment a little bit and then feed that good bacteria. So nutritionally, the prebiotic or just eating healthy food, as in fruits, vegetables, lean meats, in particular grass-fed, I'll come back to that in a sec, and also whole grains, mm. but whole grains... I just go on a little bit of a tangent here, but whole grains are still important if your gut, you know, the problem that we're having with whole grains at the moment, in my professional opinion, is that it's the processing of the grains that's more problematic than the grains themselves. So, you know, I think food manufacturers grinding it, you know, and, and processing to the point where we're actually changing molecular structures, we're losing nutrients and those sorts of things, even in the whole meal products and those sorts of things they're just highly processed so I think you know it's that kind of thing of even when consumers are trying to make healthy choices we're changing the food you know and that's the kind of thing I always say to people with people say to me oh you've got a really cool job you know and I always go yeah like I've got a master's degree and telling people to you know eat vegetables and healthy food but what I get passionate about is the fact that foods can't you know foods the more things change, the more things stay the same. Yep. And it's that kind of thing of where when you're trying to eat healthy foods, we're trying to eat, eat things that pretty much look like they've come from a farm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that hard. And it's it's just when food, you know, even walking through, you know, even in, in the fitness show that's great, you know, they've got some great products down there, but so many of those protein supplements and all that sort of stuff and you go, it's not it's not food. We need food first, supplements later if there's a, if there's a need. So, yeah, so grains, so I'm coming back to prebiotics, the healthy foods, grains, I think they get a bad rap, but I think the problem has more to do with the processing than it actually does. If you were eating, say, for example, I try to eat stone ground Mm -hmm. breads that are made from stone ground, artisan type breads and those sorts of things. And I'm not a fastidious eater. You know, I'm a very relaxed nutritionist. Mm. I eat, I I tend to challenge people. They go, I don't eat this and I don't eat that. And I say, why? You know, Mm. so I'm not do this, do that. But, you know, for my own mental health and, and I do try to get most of my healthy, you know, healthy food from just good quality 
Mm. good quality foods. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned on specifically yep. on some hormones in there as well. Yes. So, you know, can you explain the process? So when someone's actually ingesting some food mm. and they're basically processing that, what is that chemical response? What's happening at that time for things to basically then send that ha- those happy sort of yes. endorphins through and things like that? Can you maybe give us a little bit of an explanation of that process? Okay. So short-term-wise, the interesting thing is I know, you know, I'm probably not trying to be controversial, but, you know, yeah. when we eat carbohydrates... Mm-hmm our body actually releases feel-good triggers, releases of good of feel-good neurotransmitters, yeah. okay, as well as giving us a little bit of energy so we get a little bit of a kick, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's good for it. You know, we, we feel good. And I don't want to get involved in low-carb and keto and all that. That's not my gig. I'm a yeah. runner. Mm-hmm. I have a healthy body weight. For me personally, I don't. I, you know, I think there's value in keto. I think there's value in, I think there's definitely value in things like intermittent fasting. That's something I'm fascinated by. But mm-hmm. but keto and low carb, I think there's definitely a need for it for some individuals, but I don't think it's, it's such a difficult diet. It's unsustainable. And I also, I just, I, the research isn't there to be confident enough to do stuff at this point. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a never say never girl, but in the same breath, I just, you know, I'm frightened by the keto, keto thing purely because we know there's so many good things mm-hmm. in those, you know, in the carbohydrate rich foods and I mean, fruits, vegetables and those sorts of things, but also the grains are still valuable to us. So, you know, I, I can't see how we're replacing those. Yeah. So do you think that obviously the, the preconception is that you eat food, yes. it goes into your stomach, yes. it releases chemicals, yes. it goes to the brain. Mm. What's the next process? What, where does it go? What's, what happens after that? Look, with the carbs, when it, it goes to the brain, and then I guess the thing is, you know, if we jump the whole way through, one part of my research that, you know, is that I, in the presentation I did on Friday as well, was really more about, where your body composition ends up. So if we're going to jump the whole way down to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, weeks, months after the fact, you know, depending on where carbs, protein, fat, or you know, and also not just the carbs, the types of carbs, etc. I guess I'm going back on the, you know, carb rant again, <laughs> but make no mistake, white carbs are bad for you. They're mm-hmm. just as bad as sugar. You don't want those things in our diet. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes people jump on the bandwagon, like with every diet, and go, I was eating all of this, you know, crappy food over here. I'm now eating all this stuff over, you know, like healthy, you know, vegetables and fruits and all those sorts of things over here. I feel so much better. And you go, of course you are. But that doesn't mean that, you know, so, you know, it's that kind of thing of the refined stuff is bad. But if we, okay, so and then jumping back again to body composition, the main thing is it's not great, obviously, as we know, you guys are fitness professionals. Mm -hmm. We don't want to get too fat. We don't want, we also don't want to get too thin. Okay, and getting too fat, in particular midsection or visceral adiposity, will actually cause inflammation. Mm-hmm. Now, low-grade inflammation is absolutely interlinked you know, with stress, anxiety and depression. Okay, and the fat that builds up around your midsection actually releases cytokines, which are actually inflammatory markers or inflammatory agents that mm-hmm. will actually cause inflammation and make, make you actually feel depressed. Think about the day, you know, the first day you actually even start to get a cold or a flu. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Yeah. You know, low, <laughs> exactly. down, yes. that kind of thing. That's actually your body, you know, is using inflammatory, mm-hmm. you know, inflammatory systems to actually fight that off that infection. 
Okay, same sort of, you know, same mechanisms. Inflammation cause is also interlinked with cardiovascular disease, you know, diabetes, all those sorts of things. But mental health, it's absolutely interlinked. So we don't want fat around our midsection. You know, we're trying to stay lean. But I guess, as I said to you, with my personal experience, I'm also very, very passionate about not getting too underweight. Okay, in particular for females. And the reason I am so passionate about it is because... As I said, body fat wise, I know that. Well, my husband basically always even says to me, "If you get too skinny, you lose your weight. <laughs> you, lose you know, I, I can't deal with my stress levels anymore, yeah. and, it, and it's that kind of thing. I actually look and I go, looking great, but mm. I can't switch off. Yeah, I mentally can't. Even if it's positive, I can't switch off. I'm just like, you know, I'm on, I'm on a high, mm. and that's what sort of drove me to looking. And the research is only starting to come out. And it's something that I think it was my personal passion that actually made me search. Because even if you do a Medline search, it's not a, it's not an easy link. But I just mm. kept searching, looking for you know anything to do with you know reduced body fats, eating disorders, any of those sorts of things, and anxiety, and you know, and what there's you know there's research basically saying now that estrogen, which is obviously fat, your it's fat-dependent hormone and it's your, obviously your major female mm-hmm. hormone, hormone. But when your estrogen levels go low, what happens is, as, as you know, we all know our fight-and-flight response, okay? Mm-hmm. So we all know that if, you know, we get, well, we have fight-flight-or-freeze response when we are under threat, you know, and that's evolutionary. We need that. But the problem is when you have a low estrogen level, and that could be because you've just got a low body fat level or it could be because you are actually premenstrual mm-hmm. or it could actually be because you're pre-menopausal, you know, menopausal or premenopausal or it could actually be as well the estrogen is also produced in your adrenal glands, so your mm-hmm. stress glands as well. So there's a whole, whole lot of reasons why estrogen might, may be low at particular times. But what estrogen does in the fear cycle is it actually switches off once the stressor has gone. So say, for example, if I jumped out from behind, you know, behind a bush and scared you, yeah. you know, we want to be able to go <gasps> take the deep breath in, yeah. you know, run away, fight, flight, whatever. Yeah. But then you should go, oh, that was just Kristen. She just jumped out from behind a bush and we should be able to relax again. Yeah. But when estrogen levels are low, the fear extinguish, it doesn't actually extinguish and you stay in that, in that hypervigilant, you know, fear, fear, fear mm. for a lot, lot longer. And I think that's where we, you know, in particular in the fitness industry, you guys need to be really conscious of if you've got any clients, say, for example, like me as well, who also, if you've got that fight or flight, what do you want to do? You want to run, you want to, you know, you Mm. want to go and exercise and you want to get that anxiety out. And I am an absolute massive proponent for exercise for stress, you know, for stress, Mm. anxiety and depression. And I would, you know, but I would run all day if I could, but I actually know I can't do it because it will actually make it worse. So yeah. I need to stop after, you know, realistically, high-intensity exercise, you should actually stop after around 45 minutes because it starts to create more cortisol and more stress. Yes, and then the stress hormones start and taking over and it's like a, exactly as a, you're on that sort of carousel of, of hormone release and chemical imbalance. Yes. So fantastic. Now, just with the estrogen, you were talking about that as well. So is it, you know, if you've got too much being produced, yes. does that then get stored in the system? Is that is there any sort of relationship with that at all? It really, I, I guess the thing is too much estrogen is realistically 
to tell you the absolute truth, mm. I actually am not as, you know, as I, I haven't I've crossed that particular yeah. part. But the thing is fat soluble, you know, so the more fat you have, the yeah. more estrogen. Now, you know, obviously I'm fascinated because I'm a woman in my 40s. Yes. <laughs> I'm interested in actually you going, I want, you know, as much as, you know, for fitness wise, we don't want fat, you know, as you know, because I mean, you don't want fat and you don't want estrogen because estrogen holds on to fat. Mm. But, you know, for wrinkles and, you know, <laughs> looking great and all that kind of thing, you need some estrogen because that's what holds onto the fat in your face and all those sorts of things too so you know you need to start balancing mm. as you age but yeah good question i actually would have to you know where the thing is mm. we store fat and we store estrogen in our fat cells yes. so if you're underweight you're not going to have enough estrogen but if you're overweight i don't know if you could deem it i would be i would be guessing to say would it be excess or mm. is it just the right amount for you. I think the nerd in both of us yeah, is going to go and get some more information. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And just in relation to you mentioned cycles and yes. menopause yeah. and all those wonderful things that us ladies get to experience as we progress through life. Uh, <laughs> just out of interest, do you find that there's a, a link then around sort of cycle periods, whether it be menstrual cycles or people going through premenopause, yeah. um, postmenopause, anything like that, yeah. with nutrition and health and then more importantly does he see any linkage with mental health absolutely. around that as well yeah yeah and look you know with regards to i think there's absolutely i shouldn't say i think i know no, there's no, absolutely yeah. a link and you know again because not just estrogen but all the hormones and so i think for females as well you've got a whole lot of other things going on in your life too with regards to i'm I'm 43. I'm not. I'm not menopausal as yet. Except every time it's hot anywhere, I'm always like, "Oh my god, is it starting?" Because a lot of my friends are, you know, a few years older and they're all going through it, and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, can't wait. Um, yeah, can't wait for that." Yeah. So it's. I just think, but I even from just talk, I learn mostly. Obviously, I the way I learn is I try to I experience something out there and then I want to go and find out why and it's that kind of thing of so so many of my friends are in their 50s and you know late 40s and they are going Mm -hmm. through perimenopausal symptoms and things and they're also they are actually you know reporting anxiety depression you know even just amongst themselves because you know as you know girls we all talk and you know that kind of thing (laughs) and you know, there's also at that same time, you've also got, you know, life stages of kids getting older, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, so you've got to go, so there's other transitional things too, but there is absolutely, the, the research is very, very clear on menopause and that's another area that I'm looking into. And doing a bit more you know, research. Getting, getting ready for, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you know, doing it well, but yeah, getting ready for menopause is that, you know, there the incidence of anxiety and depression mm. skyrocket or skyrocket is probably a little bit of a hyperbole, but mm. skyrockets around menopause. Yeah. yeah. So do you think that as fitness professionals, obviously yeah. there's areas we can work within our scope and there are certainly areas we need to yes. look for referrals and, yes. and getting that assistance yes. as a networking sort of body. Yeah. Do you feel that it's important for fitness industry professionals to consider this with their clients, especially their female clients, mm. and take into consideration that nutrition might be something they need to include with their clients' discussions and what do you think would be a recommendation for someone who's not a nutritionist or a dietitian? Mm. How can they approach those conversations? Look, as I said, the, you know, the end point of my you know, discussion on mind-body nutrition on Friday was exactly that, was the fact that you know, as a scope of practice, 
please, you know, don't take anyone off medications. Don't, you know, don't, you're not a psychiatrist. You're not yeah. a psychologist. You're not a GP. You're not, you know, yeah. so, so, you know, be, be mindful of it, but you are absolutely, you know, a support person and you are actually in a unique position because you have probably bred more trust, trust with your clients and they like you more than they do their GP or their dietitian or their naturopath or, you know, because you are seeing them on a week to week, you know, or even more regular basis. And the reason they come back to you is because they like you and they trust you. So you're a support person, but with regards to what you do nutritionally, your scope of practice actually says give guidance within Australian Dietary Guidelines. And the Australian Dietary Guidelines, in particular Guidelines 1 and 2, I know I won't be a very popular you know, person in the fitness industry, but the guidelines are actually not so bad, okay? Mm. When Guideline 1 gives you a lot of, you know, Guideline 1 and 2 in particular give you a lot of scope to actually give nutritional advice within dietary guidelines mm. anyway as PTs and, and PTs and fitness professionals. Number one, guideline number one is basically don't get too fat, don't get too skinny, mm. which is what we've been talking about. Yeah, so it's common exactly. sense, okay, yeah. and that's what you guys are doing, okay. Guideline number two is actually all about, you know, eat enough vegetables, eat enough lean meat, eat enough, you know, all those sorts of things. So, you know, eat the healthy foods, I think everyone agrees with that, you know, and with regards to things like I personally don't agree with things like where they say, you know, mostly low fat for dairy if I if I, I actually have full fat and portion control. But that, you know, so but you've got to remember as well, the Australian Dietary Guidelines are guidelines. And yes. so, you know, you're not going to get yourself in trouble by going or, you know, tell this client to drink some milk or, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And then basically I think a lot of you guys almost just have to trust your intuition and actually just get people to focus on what they should be eating first rather than what they shouldn't be eating. Mm. You know, because often so many, you know, clients will go, oh, but I'm not going to eat this or I'm not going to eat sugar or I'm not going to eat And you go, okay, all right, well, what about you actually just eat five serving of mm. vegetables and, you know, start from there? So there is absolutely scope and I think you should actually trust yourself. I mean, what I was really, I took away from in a really positive way is so many of the participants on Friday came and said, oh, thank you so much, I'm dealing, you know, and you guys are dealing with people mm. asking you questions. I, I don't mean to say, but people are going to come and ask you, whether you like it or not, people are going to come and ask you not just nutritional questions but also you guys are actually going to be, people are going to come to you with problems about, mm-hmm. you know, what they're dealing with in their lives. And often it's just, you know, it's, I shouldn't say it's just surface, but they're, they're their external mm-hmm. problems and you're the problem solver or you're, you know, the, you're the sounding board for it. Yeah. And you're in a u- unique position, but you also need to know when to refer on. And, you know, and always, you know, there's all the beyond blue and all those sorts of things, but get them to their GP because their GP is the first first line. Yeah. Yeah. So if we were to, you know, because there's so much great information, what would be one suggestion you could provide fitness professionals as to working with clients with mental health and getting awareness? What would be one piece of advice that you would say, this is my golden piece? Oh, can I only have one? Oh. <laughs> oh, look, as I said, my my one for anything, it doesn't matter whether it's mental health, it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what it is, my guideline is always eat more eat more vegetables. Yeah. So that you know that yeah. but I also think, yeah, so that's that's number one. That you yeah. know, that's my, you know, catch cry at all times. Eat more vegetables, but also just trusting yourself to actually prepare your own meals and mm-hmm. things. Use olive oil on, the, on you know, and add some salt and pepper and mm-hmm. lemon and those sorts of things to vegetables. We have an innate taste preference for sweet, salty and fatty foods. Yes. You know, we all love sweet, salty and fatty, but, you know, vegetables taste better when you put a little bit of olive oil or a little bit of salt or those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And we've been told not to do that. 
But then we actually end up not eating the vegetables because yeah. they don't taste so good. And you're like, well, just eat the vegetables. Yeah. And, you know, and especially with olive oil, it's a monounsaturated fat. So it's actually going to help balance out your omega-3 to omega-6 ratios and things too. Yeah. So, you know, just common sense stuff, cooking for yourself, preparing your own meals, etc., mm. is all great. And also just giving positive feedback to people yeah. and saying you're doing okay because, Diet is just one more thing where people, especially people with anxiety and stuff, are flogging themselves, oh, no, I'm not eating properly, yeah. as well as everything else. So, yeah. you know, the good thing about nutrition and also exercise when it comes to mental health is it is one of the factors that you do have control over. Exactly. You know, and so you do it put it gives them the sense of control. They do they're in the driver's seat. And then you can actually, you know, go for the diet from there. But you need to be really, really careful to not allow that to actually then become another thing that they need to I'm not doing well in there. Yes. So in relation to, because there's so much we can talk yeah. about and I think we're going to have to have some more conversations <laughs> with you in the future, are there any specific resources that fitness professionals can use at the moment just to assist or support their knowledge, their understanding? Do you recommend anything specifically from a resource perspective? Look, from a resource perspective, you know, there's two things. First of all, you know, just not in any way. You don't. It's not a plug, but I do have courses that are, that mm-hmm. focus on mental health yeah. and, and and nutrition, and that you know. So that's really. So you're welcome to come to my website at beckhealth.com.au. And then the other place that I would highly recommend is, as I spoke to you before, Felice Jacker. Now she's mm-hmm. the head of the International Psychiatric Nutritional Research something. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but the IPSNR. Yeah, and if you if you Google Felice Jacker and F is in F E I L C E and J A C A J A C K A, and she's the head. But they have a not for profit website as well mm-hmm. that has. Just cutting it, it's, it's mostly just fact sheets on little bits and pieces, but, you know, there, there's another place to really go and get some evidence-based stuff on Fantastic. psychiatric nutrition. Yeah. So you've given us your website and is there any other way that people can follow you and keep up to date with what you're doing? Oh, look, I, you're very welcome to follow me, but I'm a very slack social media, you know. I'm, yeah, I tend to try, probably my anxieties go, why, why would anyone want to know? So, but yeah, no, my Instagram is Kristen Beck Nutrition mm-hmm. and, yeah, so, and um, Facebook is just Beck Health and Nutrition and, yeah, come and you can find me on LinkedIn and things too. But, right. yeah, so, but I'm a little bit of a slack Slack one with, with social so, media. So what was your website again, sorry? Just it is Beck Health. So www.beckhealth, B-E-C-K, health.com.au. Fantastic. Oh, wow. That's just so much information and I'm, I'm so excited to touch base with you again in the near future. We'll get more information from you as we progress. But, Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time today with, to talk to us at Fitness Industry Podcast. We're very excited to have you here. Thanks, Katrina. For a huge range of online nutrition courses, including Networks Nutrition Intensive by Dr. Rebecca Reynolds, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, go to the Network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Nutrition. The Nutrition Intensive modules include Nutrition Strategies for Strength and Size, Fueling Fat Loss, and Effective Nutrition Coaching. Network members save up to 30%, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au.